Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spider. So every once in a while, I do a podcast that I get done with it, and I start editing it, and I second-guess myself. And I'm like, do I really want to put this one out there? I feel like I ramble. I don't like the topic. There's a, a myriad of different insecurities you can get when you put something like this out here because I realize that there are people that, you know, they look forward to listening to this on their way to work or while they're at work or whatever they may be doing. And if you get a crummy episode, it's going to kind of ruin their day a bit. So I think part of it comes from just my own insecurities. I mean, I've been doing this for a while, but you're putting something out there that's going to be out there forever. So if you make a mistake, if it's crappy, for lack of a better term, it's not like you can turn around and go, all right, you know, I, I just listened to this episode again. I'm pulling it because it's garbage. It just doesn't happen. So anyway, to make a very long story short, this was one of the last week's podcast was one of the ones that I was like, eh, I'm not feeling it. I don't know if it's, I started listening back to little pieces of it because again, I don't go back through the whole things because I'll just second guess myself the entire time. But I do go back and click, hit little spots and just kind of get a feel for it. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm, is anybody going to care? Well, again, as has happened many times before, the ones that I seem to not like or feel uncomfortable about or not sure if they're that good or if they're subpar, it got a huge response. And a lot of the, just looking at the number, I, I pulled up Buzzsprout this morning. And when you open up, it shows the current episodes and the numbers of people that have listened to them. And this one was one of the top for the last couple months. Go figure. So I'm glad I kept it up there because there was a moment where I was almost going to post, hey, guys, no podcast episode today. We'll be back next week. But again, I like keeping the streak going. And I'm like, every time I have this feeling, it seems to be one that resonates with people. And this one seemed to resonate with people, which I was really glad about because I did. I felt the topic when I got into it. It is something I worry about. I think a lot of us, you know, we always talk about, quote, unquote, the hobby and it, Again, I think a lot of us, it's its a big thing. It's a real thing. It's something we care a lot about. And it bothers us to think that we could possibly pull people in that could do damage to, quote unquote, the hobby. It's funny because I was thinking about the other day and we always refer to the hobby, which I'm assuming every single hobby out there refers to their hobby as the hobby. But we're obviously talking about the tarantula arachnid hobby. So it was, I really felt good. I got a bunch of emails like, thanks for doing this one. It's something I've thought about. So it made me feel a lot better. So thank you to those of you who reached out and said you enjoyed the podcast and got something from it because believe it or not, I don't sit over here, put this stuff out and then just go, yeah, I'm awesome. A lot of times I put stuff out and I'm second guessing it. So it, it does mean a lot when people take the time to go and say, hey, you know what? This one really resonated with me. It's something I've thought about and it made me feel, you know, your discussion made me feel better about the topic and I don't know, didn't lull me to sleep or into a coma. So thank you to all that reached out. We also piggybacking on this one, it kind of led into what today's topic is going to be because I had a couple folks bring up, you know, the question, how do we know if somebody that we are currently sharing our love for keeping arachnids with is going to be one of those bad seeds that's not going to be somebody we would normally want in the hobby? What what are the signs? And I started thinking about that. And that's a tough one because I don't think you always know. I mean, I think some of us, like I can think of friends that I've had that I would not even try introducing this to because I know they would go at it from the wrong angle. It wouldn't be, oh, this is a really cool hobby. I These animals are interesting. I would like to have some. There would be some type of... Um, for lack of a better term, scheme behind them. They would they would see them as a means to some type of end, and we'll get into that in a moment. There are, I mean, I was thinking about it, and I've been giving a lot of thought to this one because I got the question, and it's one of those ones I tried to hammer out my response. Actually, now I think about it, I don't know if I responded back because I'm terrible with trying to formulate my response in my head and then forgetting, so I apologize. Hopefully, you're out there listening <laughs> to this one. Um it, it was a tough one because I was trying to think of some things, some telltale signs to let you know when there's a person that maybe you don't want to kind of encourage to start keeping arachnids. And I think there are obviously personality traits that we're all aware of with people that would just kind of send off alarm bells. Like, I know this one's not really responsible. I'm not going to do it. But I did come up with a list of, and I hate to call it, but like the top three reasons or top three indicators that I've found that kind of show me that somebody is probably not going to be a great addition to the hobby. And this is after years of talking to folks and, and having folks, you know, say, hey, I've seen your videos, I'm getting into the hobbies. And then they explain why they're getting into the hobby, what has enticed them. More often than not, I get the, these are absolutely beautiful creatures. I'm just dying to keep them. I feel privileged to keep them. I love hearing stuff like that. Then we get the ones where I've been afraid of them for years and I want to get over that. A lot of folks are arachnophobic and generally those are good people because they're treating them 
them with more than enough respect because there's still that fear there. There's still that irrational fear of our eight-legged friends. So they tend to, the ones I've encountered that come from a place of fear where they're trying to get over their arachnophobia, generally get into it for the right reasons. I would say, I got into it for that. So that's that's a good sign. When you have people like, hey, I was scared, but now I'm interested. And that's awesome. However, I did find that sometimes checking the person's motivation for getting into the hobby can be a very important indicator. It can kind of send up those alarm bells that, all right, this person may not be somebody we really want in the hobby. And I did come up with the top three, the three things that if I hear any of these right off the bat from somebody who's just getting into the hobby... I'm on guard. I'm very careful about what I share. I'm very careful about trying to foster a relationship with them because of some people that get in the hobby, if they get in for the right reason, yeah, I'll email back and forth, whatever. I'm here to help. But there's some people it's like, you know what? You're not coming at it for the same angle that I am. That's your prerogative. But I've been here before. I've seen this before. And I'm not going to be somebody to encourage this. So let's get into my mini, we'll call it checklist of you know, possible negative motivators for folks getting into the hobby, those things that are driving people to get into the hobby that we recognize probably not the best sign for somebody that is going to treat these animals with the respect and care that we believe that they deserve. So the first one, which is going to sound kind of surprising and kind of bizarre, but let me explain it. And again, we are talking about folks who are just getting into the hobby. I want to make that clear because the list doesn't necessarily mean the same thing if you've got somebody that's been in the hobby for quite some time. We're talking about folks that have just discovered the hobby. They're just starting to make their you know wish list. They picked up a couple spiders, maybe thinking about getting in the slings. You know, really fresh noobs, for lack of a better term, very green. These are the folks that when they say these kind of things after just being in the hobby for a couple weeks or a couple months, it should send off some alarm bells. So to kick it off, we'll have a scenario that I've had many, many, many times or experienced many, many, many times myself. Somebody emails me, hey, Tom, love your channel. I'm just getting into tarantulas. I just bought my first, you know, fill in the blank, whatever, usually a beginner species. And I was wondering, would you be able to do a podcast or a YouTube video or something along those lines with some tips and tricks on how to breed them? I've got some great plans. I'm going to start breeding tarantulas. I've already got the name for my store or my what we're going to call it. I'm eyeing some spots in real estate that we're going to build up a shop. Yada, 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 yada. You get where I'm going with this. A lot of folks, sadly, and again, I want to make this very clear. Breeding isn't a bad thing at all. We definitely need more people to breed, but I get a lot of emails from folks who have just discovered them, and now they see them as a cash cow, and that, I think, is a clear indication that they are not getting into this for the same reasons that many of us do. Now, I'm going to make this uh, point clear before we go any further, just so people don't misconstrue what I'm saying here. I understand people wanting to make money off of a hobby they enjoy. Believe me, I get it. And I do appreciate that aspect of it that there is, you know, if, if there wasn't a business around these guys, we wouldn't have a third of the species we have today. I understand that. So please don't misconstrue that I'm saying that anybody that tries breeding or making money off tarantulas is an evil person. That's not it at all. I'm specifically talking about folks who are just into the hobby that that is the first thing they see. And I will tell you, I've met well, not met, but corresponded with many folks who immediately see tarantulas. They go on to the stores, and I can tell you exactly what happens. They look up the prices, and then they go, wow, these things, 60 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks for a tiny little sling, and the spider has how many of these? And then they start seeing dollar signs. And unfortunately, that transition that early on, does not make for a very successful entry into the hobby. I've met many folks that within a matter of months go from getting their first tarantula to suddenly they're trying to put together breeding pairs and they're trying to find out how to power feed to get their females bigger and how to keep the males that, you know, they, they have a female that's three inches and they just bought a mature male from somebody. Is there any way to keep that male going for the next four years while the female matures? There's no lack of background knowledge. There's no lack of understanding basic husbandry and they're already trying to breed these. And I can't tell you how many times these end with somebody going, hey, would you like to buy some females I'm getting out of the hobby? Because what ends up happening is they realize, A, breeding isn't that easy. It's it's very time consuming. If you're not buying, starting with adults, it can take forever to get some of these species up to breeding age. And a lot of people, what they end up doing is spending exorbitant amounts of money to 
procure females that they are probably never going to breed. So these are females that somebody could actually get and breed, but they don't have the experience. They don't have the know-how yet. And they end up just sitting on a bunch of females and males that they're not going to do anything with. Now, Obviously, there's some folks out there that probably get right into it. I've talked to a couple folks. So if anybody's listening to this and you're one of these people, that no harm, no foul. I've spoken to some people that got into breeding early and successfully, and that's awesome. And I think they were ones that actually respected the spiders. I'm talking about the ones that get in, and it's not, oh my gosh, I now have a bunch of females. I now have a bunch of males. I should start breeding to get more of these beautiful animals in the hobby. I'm talking specifically about the ones that immediately, right from the get-go, see this as a cash grab. And that's sad because we've talked, I've spoken before about breeding. I've done, I think, a whole podcast on breeding and what you need to be aware of before you get into breeding. It's a lot of time, it's a lot of responsibility, and it's not necessarily something that you're going to make boku bucks on right off the bat i think what people don't realize is that trying to get rid of i don't know we'll we'll go low number 200 slings you have a species that you see selling at the you know price of 60 70 dollars per sling you have 200 slings like oh my gosh i'm gonna make so much money off this they don't realize that if you try to sell those by yourself and you don't have the infrastructure for sales meaning you don't get the discounts from fedex for shipping you don't have all the materials on hand that you need to ship like the boxes the styrofoam the heat packs possibly the cold packs those all cost money you're not going to be able to sell those things necessarily out by yourself. Now you're left keeping, you know, 150, 200. I mean, say you, we'll, we'll go, you end up selling 50 of them. Now you're left with 150 of these things that you're raising up that's eating into the money you're making from them. Now you have to start looking at selling them wholesale, which is what a lot of us end up doing. So again, don't be, a lot of folks see the prices that they get. They don't recognize that these were probably imported, which is why the price is so high. They got to compensate for the fees and the shipping costs. They don't realize that these people are also selling dozens, sometimes not hundreds, of other spider species of spiders on their site so people can get more bang for their buck for their dollar they don't see any of that they see i have this spider the slings are selling for 70 dollars. i'm going to produce these sell all my slings for 70 dollars, and make a ton of money and then what ends up happening they get stuck with a bunch they're frustrated then they go finally after they're not able to sell them they go out and start trying to contact people to wholesale them and believe me i've been through this with people before this isn't just conjecture they get stuck with these spiders, they get frustrated, they start finally contacting dealers going, hey, I have this species, I'd like to wholesale them, and the dealers go, yeah, absolutely, I'll give you 10 bucks a spider for them, or even less sometimes, and then they freak out, they're like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be able to get 70 bucks, I'm not taking 10 bucks, so now they're really upset, because that big chunk of change they thought they were going to get from raising these is much smaller now, they feel like they're getting cheated, they're going to put them on their website and sell them for twice that amount, or three times that amount, and then next thing you know, it the whole breeding thing ends. It has soured them completely on the hobby. I have had at least, at least half a dozen people in, I don't know, what have I been doing this for, seven years, eight years now? I don't even know anymore. At least half a dozen people that have got into the hobby, tried to breed, tried to sell. It failed or they didn't make the money they wanted to. Next thing you know, they're out of the hobby. Hey, Tom, do you want to buy any of these? I'm getting rid of all my collection. I'm getting out of the hobby. And it's sad to see because honestly, those people are getting in it for the wrong reason. If the first thing you think about when getting in the tarantula hobby is dollar signs, please just move on. Find something else. I mean, for the majority of us, we we at least want to learn basic husbandry first. Our species, the difference between old worlds and new worlds. I have had people literally who are telling me they're about to breed, think that something they were raising was an old world species and argue with me over it. So for example, I had somebody that found out that Salmapia species, they heard that the Cambridge Eye and Armenia were easy to breed. They got a male and a female. And in the course of the back and forth, exposed that they thought those were old world species and then were confused. No, no, those are old world. I know those are old world, old world laborios. No, they're not. That's a problem right there. You're breeding something. You don't even know what region of the world it comes from. So Obviously, we want people breeding. I think it's a natural progression for folks. We talked about it's kind of like the hobby version of the black belt. You get your tarantulas, you're keeping, you know, you get your new world species, your your beginner species, then you go into some feisty new worlds, then you pick up some old worlds, you're keeping those those devilish pokies, and then it's like, what do I do next? It's time to start breeding. And that's the thing. When you produce your first sack, I'll tell you, I felt the same way. When I had my first sack of Hapalopus species, Columbia Larges, I was so proud. I felt like 
now I'm I'm in it. Now I've you know I've I've leveled up, so to speak. And I think a lot of people get to that point where they've kept for a while and they they have some females and they start going, hey, you know what? I'd really love to have some offspring from this one. And they do the breeding thing. That's awesome. But to immediately jump in to have that be the main reason. Here I am. I'm going to buy a bunch of females. I'm buy some males. I'm going to breed them. I'm going to have a bunch of babies. Make a lot of money. Start my own store. Whatever it may be, I honestly think that is getting into it for the wrong reason. That's immediately putting the dollar above the actual well-being of the animals because it takes some time to get the hang of these. It takes some time to get basic husbandry, rehousing down. I've had folks that are asking me, this is my favorite, is folks will be asking me how to take care of the slings they currently have that they're freaking out about. And then they tell me, I can't wait. I've got a female going, I'm going to breed it. If you can't take care of the three slings you just purchased, the three easy slings you just purchased, how in heaven's name are you going to deal with possibly, you know, hundreds of them? Like that it's, you're not ready yet. Get that basic husbandry down. And when you feel comfortable with sling care, which again, isn't all that difficult, but when you feel comfortable with that, then maybe transition to breeding. But again, it's that mindset. And I hope folks get what I'm talking about here. There are folks that get into the hobby and they pick up their animal, they pick up their first animals, they start amassing a collection, and they talk about breeding. Like, definitely, I want to breed at some point. And that's fine. I'm talking about specifically ones that get into the hobby, start keeping spiders, start amassing a collection because they are going to use it to make a profit right off the bat. Not something they've been doing for a while, and hey, might as well make a little money right off the bat. So that would be the first one, my first telltale sign. I've fortunately encountered many, 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 many folks over the years that have come to me with the emails. You know, I help them out in the beginning. I've got my first. Next thing you know, hey, I'm looking to do some breeding. Like it's been two weeks. How are you looking to do breeding already? Like you've just told me the other day that you freaked out and had to have panic attack because your tarantula ran out during rehousing. Now you're going to do a, a pairing where you've got two adult tarantulas that potentially the female is going to try to eat the male and hopefully you're going to try to protect them. I don't see that going all that well. So that would be the first one that immediately sends up alarm bells for me. The second one, I this was nice because as I'm trying to go through some of the reasons for it, I got an email today. I believe it was a young man just by the, the email address and the way he was speaking. I think it was a younger dude, but contacted me all excited because he's getting into tarantulas, but he doesn't want quote unquote any of those beginner ones. I want the ones that scare the fill in the expletive out of people because I really want to show off to my friends that I have these. It was basically, it was almost like someone trying to troll me by throwing in everything that they knew would get under my skin by base. Essentially his thing was spiders freak people out. I want to get into the hobby and I want the scariest ones there are to show off to my friends. So for the second most, I would say, damaging telltale sign that somebody is getting into the hobby for the wrong reason, it's the thrill factor. The ones that are getting into the hobby because, hey, spiders are creepy crawlies. They're scary. They're potentially, quote unquote, dangerous. I always use that term with quotes around it. And they want to get into the hobby because, A, they get a thrill out of working with these animals. B, they will show them off to friends in a way that many of us would find, I would at least, find abhorrent because I spent all my time trying to show people they're not that scary, they're not evil, they're not as dangerous as people like to make them out or quote-unquote as, uh, as aggressive as people make them out. They're going to play that up. They're going to show people like, look, at this is a spider that can kill you. This is a tarantula that can put you in the hospital. They're coming at it from the wrong side of things. It's not, I love these animals, I respect them. It's, I'm enamored with the sense of danger that comes with them. The fact that most people find them to be creepy. I'm getting them because I want people to feel fear when I show them off, to feel repulsed when I show them off, to brag and to really build up that mystique around them that they are dangerous, aggressive animals. And again, we've gone through this, you know, if anything anybody picks up from my Tom's Big Spider stuff, hopefully it's the fact that I don't find them to be particularly loathsome or something to be feared or as dangerous as people make them out to be. But there are folks out there that that's what brings them in the hobby. And these are the ones that, you know, this almost could be a number one, but I, I have more reasons why I think my number one is a bit more damaging. And it's an extension of number two. It could almost be a number one because these are the folks that most of us 
like cringe at when we see them and experience them on the boards. These are the ones that are showing pictures of them holding Pisolotheria species or antagonizing things to bite them. A buddy of mine, Charles, sent me a video the other day. People have probably seen it. It's a guy putting his finger in. I can't remember. I think it was a, a Salmopius polker, but I could be wrong. Anyway, there's a spider. He puts his finger in and allows a spider to go up and kind of bite his finger. And it's like, oh, lots of views. This is scary. These are the people we revile and don't want in the hobby because they're the ones that give us the terrible rep. They're the ones many of us are working against to try to, you know, dispel that idea that these are scary animals. I will share an example for you. Somebody emailed me the other day. Again, I thought it was, I just get, I always picture a young like kid and that's not fair. For those of you that are younger, listen to me. I know there's some really good ones out there, guys. So don't think I'm at all saying that all younger folks shouldn't be in the hobby or irresponsible. I know for a fact there are some great keepers out there that are very, very young and are doing an awesome job. So it's not you I'm talking to. But there are some that give you a vibe that kind of give you the bro vibe. And this one contacted me and he's like, I'm looking for an adult OBT. I saw pictures of them. They look completely, it was like the whole thing was about how scary and how they're demons. And I want the, I believe his quote was, I want the nastiest, gnarliest, and a little sensor bleep here, the bitchiest tarantula you can possibly own. I'm obsessed with these things and it was all from the angle of OBTs being just nasty, loathsome, aggressive. I want something that's going to, I mean, it was like literally things like I really want something that could potentially rip my face off, stuff like all that type of hyperbole. And it was sad because I'm like, why would you guys, this is going to be his first spider, by the way, too. He's done his research. This is what he wants and nobody can dissuade him. Uh, he's already told his friends he's going to get one. He doesn't want a sling because he doesn't want some little thing that no, nobody's going to be scared of. So I came back with, hey, just to give you a heads up, if you keep these guys correctly, they're really not that bad. They get a very bum rap. They, you know, everybody talks about an angry buddy thing. And I went through my whole spiel because obviously I love OBTs. I do think it's one of the ones that we demonize to a point where people, you know, don't even pick them up anymore because they're terrified of them. And his response coming back was, well, obviously you don't know what you're talking about with these because everything I've read about them says they're nasty. And then went on and on and on and on and on. And then that was it. I didn't bother responding back after that. These are the type of people that we all can't stand like in the hobby because the ones that give us the bad rep, the ones that are going on social media, going on Facebook, Instagram, doing stupid stuff with them, showing their friends them in a way that, you know, just perpetuates the terrible myths that are around them, the terrible, terrible stigma that is around tarantulas and spiders in general. Those are the ones we don't want. And sadly, there are a lot of folks to get into it. For that reason, I mean, you've all experienced them out there. I was having a discussion with my buddy, Luis, not that long ago and talking about some of the negative folks we have in the hobby that can kind of ruin it for others. This is where they start off because unfortunately, those people don't, some of them, I will tell you, some of them get bored very quickly. They get their spider and this is sad and uh, unto itself. They get their spider. They set it up. It's not crazy. It's not doing anything. They realize, all right, wait a minute. There's no real thrill. They totally get bored of it. And God only knows what ends up happening to that spider. Hopefully they give it to somebody or sell it to somebody that actually cares about it and appreciates it. I'm sure there are some that just languish in tanks, you know, being completely neglected, not cared for, and end up dying. It's sad. So I will say the ones, the folks that get into the hobby, the thrill seekers, the knuckleheads, the the ones that just want to show these things off as being terrible creatures are a bane to the hobby. That is one thing right off the bat, you can tell when you're talking to people like this because it becomes apparent rather early on in the conversation. I've spoken to people that I can tell have my mindset. Wow, they're beautiful. I've never looked at them this way before. They scare me, but they're fascinating. Yes, we want you in the hobby. So what is the most dangerous one? What is the one, if you were going to tell somebody, what is the last one you want to get? What is it? Because I want to pick that one up. Get the hell out of the hobby. We don't need you there. So I would say that's incredibly damaging because of the fact that a, they're not treating the animals correctly as it is. The attitude is wrong for those animals to get proper care. They are going to be more inclined. I've, I've I think, shared before that I've had people say they were going to keep things wrong so they could see some of the attitude. I kid you not, and it's happened more than once. It's happened with OBTs. It's happened with Kilobrachi species. It's happened with H. lividus. They've told me they picked up adults. They are going to let them web, put them on shallow substrate so they can see them more and so that they can experience some of that famed attitude. Congratulations. You are creating an environment for your spider that perpetually stresses it out so that it feels like it needs to defend itself. You are a terrible human being. Please get out of my hobby. So 
Definitely. Number two for me would be the thrill seekers. I avoid them like the plague. Again, like the guy with the OBT, I try to dissuade them by explaining, hey, guess what? You're going to be unpleasantly surprised in the fact they're really not as bad as you think they are, but that doesn't always work. And then unfortunately, I usually cut off communication because it makes me too angry. So thrill seekers, number two. Now, number three, <laughs> I, I bounce these back and forth. And again, I do think it's kind of, I do think this is one of the lists I have that's kind of in an order that makes logical sense as to where they can do the most amount of damage, where it can be the, they can be the biggest bane on the hobby from which of these activities they're doing. I do think people that are trying to breed them generally piddle out, sell their spiders, somebody else gets them, it's fine. I do think the thrill seekers can be very damaging because those are the ones doing all the crazy uh, crap on Facebook and Instagram and putting this stuff out there. And again, I don't think that a lot of them treat their spiders particularly well. This last one, I put on here because I do think it has the ability to cause the most damage as far as how the hobby is viewed. There are good points of it. There are bad points of it. The next one is, here we go. Everybody knows my love-hate relationship with this platform. Folks that get into it because they immediately want to do a YouTube channel. This one kills me. And I've admitted before in the past, obviously, I have a YouTube channel. Obviously, I've had friction in the past because I don't necessarily agree with how these are portrayed by other YouTubers out there. As a matter of fact, I barely watch any videos at all anymore because I just find myself being frustrated. Here's the deal. YouTube is an awesome platform. I love making videos for YouTube. I'll put that part up there. I love making videos for YouTube. For me, it's an extension of sharing what goes on here. It's an extension of my teaching and putting those videos up there, having people communicating with people. I am very fortunate with the people that follow me. I don't get a lot of the trolls. I don't get knock on wood. I don't get a lot of people that are on there to just try to aggravate me or say stupid things. I really don't get a lot of that. And that was one of my biggest fears when I started gravitating over and doing more YouTube videos that I was going to have to deal with folks coming on there, kill them, burn them. You're an idiot. Why are you keeping them in the little tiny boxes? Why aren't you worrying about the humidity? All that stuff. I'm, I'm good. I don't get that. However, when I go around and look at other things and see what goes on in other channels sometimes, and again, I'm not the YouTube police, but I do, and I think most people that watch my videos and listen to my podcast know that I have a very different approach to the whole thing. Sadly, there are a lot of folks out there that they see these YouTube videos, and this is why I think it can be so damaging, because it can perpetuate the bad husbandry, the bad, you know, the the fact that I've had people go, oh, my male got eaten in the video, but that's okay because I saw this guy does breeding and his get eaten all the time. Or, hey, this guy keeps his spiders with no water dishes, so I'm going to keep mine with no water dishes. And then I'm going to do a YouTube channel. And in my YouTube channel, I'm not going to have water dishes. And when people ask me why I don't have water dishes, I'm going to say nobody uses water dishes. You can see where I'm going with this. It's a snowball effect. You get a lot of people emulating the bigger ones or sometimes not even bigger ones. And it's not necessarily good information those people are putting out. It's not They're not necessarily doing this to put out good information. They're doing this because it's a business. And I don't think that gets recognized sometimes. So for folks to get back to it, we're talking about folks who are just getting into the hobby. I have so many people, and it's honestly depressing at times, that they get their first couple tarantulas. Hey, Tom, I know you've been doing the YouTube thing for a while. Um, how should I go about starting a YouTube channel? And I always give the same basic dry answer. First, I always talk about the fact that I am the last YouTuber on planet Earth you should ever be. I can't believe I just referred to myself as a YouTuber. The last person who does videos on YouTube or on planet Earth that you should be asking how to make a successful YouTube channel. Mine's an anomaly. I can't believe I got, I mean, I'm not a huge channel by any stretch of the imagination. Let me make that very clear. But I, I do, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I do have a pretty good following. And I think I did it doing all the things you shouldn't do if you're trying to build a YouTube channel. I didn't do a lot of begging for shout outs. I didn't do a lot of, you know, crossover uh, collaborative videos. I didn't, I've never tried to do it for money. It's never been a monetization thing. I put out boring husbandry videos. I refuse to do clickbaity titles. I've had so many people tell me, Tom, if you just did more enticing titles like rehousing this orange ball of fury or rehousing the most dangerous tarantula in the world, you'd get so many other people watching. I don't want that. That's not what I'm there for. I don't want people thinking my OBT is dangerous. I don't want that. That's never been what I'm about. And so the fact that I've been able to build any type of audience with that is a source of pride for me. Like I honestly, I think I've shared before, my original goal for my YouTube channel, if I got 100 subscribers, I was going to be happy. That was it. That was all I was shooting for, 100 subscribers. Like I couldn't believe it. First time I got a thumbs up, it was like the coolest thing ever. Like somebody actually watched this garbage. But anyway, the thing I tell people is if you're going to start a YouTube channel, and nobody wants to hear this, 
Put the animals first and just focus on sharing what you're doing. Just share your data. Hey, here's my, most people will find just the spider interesting. Hey, I got this spider. Here are some things I learned about it. Don't try to be an expert. Don't try to be an authority right off the bat. Just show it off. Because I do think like for me, a lot of times the other part of YouTube that I love is I have basically a video journal, a video record of what I've done in the hobby. Rehousings, purchases. I go back sometimes and watch my old stuff just to, I don't know, see what they look like as slings. Remember what it was like to be back then and, you know, watch some of my rehousings where I'm not quite so sure of myself or watch some of my things that I've changed over the years, whatever it may be. It's like watching old family videos for me. It's like they're memories in many respects. And that's, I think, the greatest thing that I've gotten out of YouTube is I can go back at any time and revisit this stuff and kind of relive it. I love that. And I wish more people would do that to start off. If you're going to jump in, and I get it, I get the fact you get tarantulas, you want to show them off on Facebook. You want to show them off on Instagram. I'm not saying don't do that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't start a YouTube channel. I'm talking specifically, though, about the ones that aren't going at it from that angle. This isn't, hey, I want to do a YouTube channel because I just kind of want to show off these things. It's, I want a YouTube channel. How do I get more subscribers? How do I get more viewers? How do I get this? How do I get monetized? So how much money do you make for commercials? How do you do that? That's the stuff that it's like, all right, you've completely jumped the gun with this. Like, get get a hang of it first. Like, just make a YouTube channel and just start putting your stuff out there. Don't worry about it. But unfortunately... YouTube is the the allure of YouTube, the allure of possibly making money doing this stuff, the allure of having, because a lot of people, it's having somebody look up to you. I've had people go, yeah, you know, I started a YouTube channel. I've already got people asking me questions about it. It's really neat, you know, which is great. But unfortunately, that allure can be dangerous, especially to somebody who's just getting into the hobby. Because what happens, and I've seen this many times before with folks that, you know, come to me, hey, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. Can you check it out? Yeah, I'll check it out. And guys, there, I know a couple folks out there right now that are listening to this, and they're immediately going to take it to heart. If you're somebody that I've emailed back and forth, and we've talked about YouTube channels and what you do, trust me, I'm not talking about you. Hopefully, you know who you are, because I can think of a couple of you that did take this route and did just want to show what you were learning, and it was fantastic. So I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the folks that immediately get in there, and they don't see this as, hey, I want to share. They see it as, I want to be a big YouTuber. I idolize this person, or I like what they've done. I've seen how popular they are. I've seen that they get free stuff, whatever it may be. I want to be like them. And the immediate push upon entering the hobby is, how can I make this hobby or turn this hobby into a successful YouTube channel. Now it's gone, gone from, and I'll say it flat out, now it's gone from you having a hobby to you having a business. Those animals are no longer hobby, they're no longer pets, they're commodities. And that's where I think things start to get dangerous because we get folks, they get in, they have no experience whatsoever, they're emulating people sometimes whose husbandry is absolutely atrocious and deplorable, and they set up these channels, and what ends up happening, they screw something up, they do something that is not correct, and people call them on it, and now because you're on YouTube, you have to be an expert. There's, We're in short supply of folks, and I have met some who will put stuff up and go, I screwed up. And or somebody they'll put something up and somebody will say, hey, you screwed up and they'll respond to it and be like, hey, this person called this out. They're absolutely right. I love that. That's what this is about. It's about learning and showing that you're learning. I think people will appreciate personally. I think people appreciate that more than somebody who just says, oh, no, this is how I do it. I've seen other people do it that way. Uh, you can do it your way, but this is my way when they're blatantly doing something wrong. You know, we talk about the water dish thing, which again, we can argue whether it's actually blatantly wrong. I happen to think there is no harm in putting water dishes in there. Yes, before anybody asks, I am still working on that water dish video. I just get like two different water dish videos a week from people. But anyway, we have folks out there that say they don't use water dishes. They're pointless. Uh, there are folks now emulating these people and they're saying, I'm not using water dishes. So when people go on and say, Hey, maybe you found your P. metallica curled up in a death curl at the bottom of its bone dry tank because you didn't give it enough moisture and there wasn't a water dish. Then maybe they would take that to heart and make the changes. But no, they end up arguing against it. Oh, no, they don't need a water dish. It wouldn't use a water dish anyway. And they don't need any moisture. That drives me nuts because, again, there is this conception that if you're on YouTube and you have a lot of subscribers and a lot of views, 
you know what you're talking about. And I think those of us who have been in the hobby for a while have seen some of these channels. No, that's not necessarily true. I think that somebody getting into YouTube right from the get-go and trying to start a successful channel is going to run into that problem where when you first get into the hobby, you're open-minded. You're ready to learn. Most of us, I think you should be at least, open-minded, ready to learn, ready to get feedback, reaching out, trying to get advice from people. And then what ends up happening is as you start getting more and more confident, it, then you branch out and start showing some of this stuff up the YouTube. That's not a bad deal. I mean, it's a good thing. Here's what I'm doing. Here are some things I've done. Here's some things I've learned. Here's some things I did wrong, whatever it may be. Unfortunately, if you jump immediately into getting tarantulas and then doing the YouTube thing, I think what ends up happening is that we'll call it the developmental phase where you start really kind of developing how, you know, good husbandry techniques, developing how to do proper rehouses, developing how to keep your spiders. When you do all the learning that you're doing, having your, you know, basically your ears open, your mouth closed as you learn as much as you can about the hobby, I think that developmental phase becomes stunted because now you have a public persona and you have to keep up this image. You can't be sitting there going, hey guys, I did this. What did I do wrong? Because if you do that, people are going to rip you apart and go, why do you have a YouTube video if you don't know what you're talking about? It's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you come forward and go, hey, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm doing everything right. You guys don't know what you're talking about. And then you run the risk of people shredding you for basically doing the wrong thing and trying to argue it, which happens all the time. I've seen it before. We've all seen it before. It's just a bad situation that brings added pressure to do the right thing at all times, or if you do the wrong thing, to defend it. So again, for folks that are just getting into it and want to do YouTube to kind of track what they have here, I've, I've seen many of these channels and I enjoy them. These are the ones I kind of like because it reminds me of what it was like to first get into the hobby. And these are, we're talking about folks who are like, hey, I just bought some spiders. Here's an unboxing video. Here's my setups and that's it. Or here's my spider. I'm feeding it and you can feel the enthusiasm when they're feeding it and they take down prey. I love that kind of stuff because those are the ones that are like, these are people sharing their love without trying to be instructional, without trying to be authorities. I love that. And there's always, and keep in mind, if you start off as one of these ones just sharing some things you caught, heck, look back at mine. They're all just feeding videos at that point. Like early on, I would just catch somebody feeding. I'd throw some terrible metal in the back of it and throw the clip up. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And it was more just for family and friends and for me to walk back. Like I'd go and watch them like, oh man, that thing took that down great. There's nothing wrong with that. You can always grow as your experience grows. And then when you start feeling a little more comfortable, and I've had people ask me that this before, hey, you know, I'm doing, I, I've been keeping these for a while. At what point should I feel confident in being being able to help other people. Well, you'll know. You'll know when you start feeling comfortable in your husbandry that you're having some success, that you're keeping slings, raising them to adults. You've kept, you know, a variety of moisture-dependent species, dry species. You've got some old worlds. You want to start sharing some tips that you've learned? Absolutely. I'm talking specifically about folks who get into it, start buying up a bunch of tarantulas because they're going to have a YouTube channel. That's their main focus for it. There are a lot of folks like this out there. I can't tell you how many times I'm approached with people that have picked up their first spider and are already talking about creating their YouTube channel. I get folks who ask me, which species do you think are most popular? Because I just picked up my first G Polkra and I want to get some more spiders, but I'm going to do a YouTube channel and I want to basically have things that people people want to see. So which spiders do people attracted to on YouTube? Which spiders are going to get the most views? And that's the wrong way to go about it. I'm sorry. It's just going to lead into that terrible YouTube trap of folks that they don't have a lot to talk about. So they just keep buying more animals so that they can talk about more animals and bring more people in. And that's terrible. We've, we've discussed that before on the podcast. When folks, you get on YouTube, you want something new to show off. So you go out and buy more things. And I've seen so many people go from keeping one animal four months later, they're keeping 250 animals. And then three months later, a bunch of things have died. Now they're selling everything off because they've had a change of heart and they're out of the hobby. And this is in many ways connected to number two with people that get into it for the thrill of it because we get a lot of those folks too. Hey, I'm on YouTube now. You know it's really going to get a lot of views on YouTube if I try to hold this T-Blondie or if I try to hold my HMAC or if I have a terrible escape because I'm holding you know, the camera with one hand and poking the thing with the brush in the other and the thing drops on the floor, stuff like that. The sad part is that gets the views. So look where this goes. They get into the hobby. They don't know a lot about husbandry. Things go wrong all the time in the rehousings. They're holding things they shouldn't. Guess what? People are going to watch it. The views are going to go up. The subscriber count's going to go up. There's going to be absolutely, even as they improve, inevitably improve as a hobby, hobbyist. They get, they get better at their rehousings. They know they shouldn't be handling them. 
But why would they bother changing? Why would they bother showing that? That's not going to get the views. I can tell you right now, I'd, I'd love to do this experiment, except the fact that a lot of people would be really upset with me. I'd love to put up a video, same video with two different headers and see how many clicks one gets compared to the other ones. I can guarantee you that if I did calm rehousing of Peace Letheria Rufalata, it's not going to get nearly as many clicks if I put, I don't know, rehousing of deadly venomous giant tarantula goes horribly wrong and the picture of me screaming on the front. Guess what's going to get all the clicks? You're going to get all the people that don't normally watch those videos go, whoo, I got to see this one. I can guarantee it. And, and that's the sad truth of it. So the folks that get into the hobby immediately jump on YouTube, start doing a YouTube channel, start doing things wrong, get a lot of views from it. They're never going to change that. There's There's been discussions about certain ones that got in the hobby that, you know, they're doing the same things they did now that they did back in the day. Of course they are, because that's what's got them to this level of popularity. Again, going with the first one about making money. The other thing that kind of bothers me is the folks to get into it because they immediately see as YouTube as a cash grab. Oh, I, I can't tell you how many people ask. Oh, how much do you make from your ads? How much do you make from this? How much? All everybody assumes that everything that I get and talk about, whether it be a shipment of spiders, whether it be a new enclosure, a, not everybody, but a lot of people assume that I was given them for free, which is why I always have to put that disclaimer in there. It's not to be a jerk about it. It's just I want people to know I'm spending my own money. This wasn't handed to me. So I think a lot of people see that. I've had people go, man, I got to get a YouTube channel because I, I want to get a bunch of free spiders. And I've got to be like, dude, I just spent my own cash on these. These are not free. Or yeah, you know, I, I would love to get all those free enclosures you just got. No, I just spent $600 on these enclosures because I needed new enclosures. I like buying my own stuff. They don't get that because there is a lot of, you know, there are a lot of endorsements to be had. There are a lot of folks that are willing to send you free stuff to get a good review. That's just how it works. YouTube isn't built to be an educational platform. It's built to make people money. You're making Google money by when you run those ads, Google's getting money for those ads. If you are got your ads activated, you're getting a little money from each ad that people actually watch. You get free stuff from people. It is a big money maker. So again, this kind of goes along, They all, if you notice, they all kind of tie together here. It kind of goes along with our first one for folks that want to go in and start breeding immediately to make money. A lot of the folks, sadly, that get in and want to get on the YouTube channel, it's not just to share their love for these animals. They see a money-making opportunity. They see a chance to make some cash. And again, I have to go back to what I said earlier. It's a hobby for many of us, a hobby. It's not a business. And I think that those are that are getting into it to breed immediately or jump into YouTube to make a successful YouTube channel so they can make lots of money off YouTube. You're not entering it as a hobbyist. You're entering it as somebody that sees this as a business venture. And that kind of changes everything. I think for many of us, that's a totally different perspective to take on these animals. I can tell you, having grown up on a farm, when there's money involved with animals, it, it completely changes everything. There aren't pets. You don't have pets. You have animals that are going to bring you money. In this case, there's spiders that you can show off, there's spiders that you can breed, there's spiders that you can allow to drop out of their cage while you're filming them, you know, doing a rehousing because, hey, you know, the spider may die, but oh, I'm going to get a lot of views from this. That's the sad truth of it. There's a big difference between those of us who are in the hobby because we love these animals and those that are in the hobby because they immediately want to make money off it and turn it into a business venture. I just see that as two totally different mindsets. Is it wrong to get into the hobby, love these animals, and find a way to actually make money off of them to support the hobby? No. And that's where I think there is a flip side to, well, at least two of these. We'll talk about the third one in a moment. Again, we never want to talk in, in black and white. We always want to open it up to show that, you know what, there, there are gray areas in this. And I do feel like that some folks get into the hobby, they enjoy the hobby, they are Again, raise, buying a lot of animals, buying a lot of cages because they they are hooked. It's, it's an addictive hobby. And then they start thinking to themselves, hey, is it really such a wrong thing to make a little bit of money to support this? No, no, not at all. And I don't ever want this to be taken. And when I do one of these episodes where we talk about like YouTube and stuff, I don't ever want this to be taken as I think it's wrong for people to make money to support their hobby. Not at all. But there's a difference between making enough money to support your hobby and turning the hobby into an actual business where the point is to make as much money as possible. That's the trick. That's where I think people fall into the YouTube trap where it's all about how many subscribers you can get, 
how many views you can get and how much money you can make off of the ads of people watching your content. That becomes a trap because now you're always trying to push for more. The point is you can make as much money as you can make videos that people are going to be watching. And when you find a recipe for making videos that people seem to gravitate toward and it's exploitive and using clickbaity stuff that pull is there to keep doing it because you're going to make more money. I think there's a difference between that and somebody that says, hey, you know what? I've got these guys. I'm going to monetize my channel. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and just making my fun videos and showing people my collection and make a little money off it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's Again, it's that push. We, and you've seen the channels. We can name channels out there with folks that started off doing one thing and then you can see them start to get popular and all of a sudden it shifts and it's how many viewers. Can, it's all about viewers and subscriber counts. There's so much stuff out there to track, you know, your subscribers and stuff like that. I have people every once in a while ask me about it, and I don't even know what they're talking about because I just know what they show me on YouTube. I have nothing that really monitors any of this stuff because I'm not worried about it. But that's the trap. You get into it. You start making bigger and better videos. You start getting more people in. You're getting more money. You're starting to get offered stuff. Hey, could you review this? I'll send you a bunch of free stuff. It's enticing. So I get that. But can you do it? And can you monetize your channel and make some money and support your hobby? Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I get it completely. I mean, for folks, especially for folks where it's a little extra income to support what can be a very expensive hobby. These spiders cost money. Their enclosures cost money. Totally get that. It's just tough to keep it that way and not go overboard and start going, hey, you know what? I'm making a little money now. I can make even more money. And how am I going to make even more money? I need to buy more spiders. How am I going to support more spiders? Well, I got to do videos that have clickbaity titles. You can see where it goes with that. But I think flip sides, YouTube, sure, you can do a YouTube channel. You could probably do a successful YouTube channel and not compromise what you're about. I've, there are ones out there. I don't want to make it sound like it's all trash and all you know damaging type videos and stuff. It's not. But I do think it's you know it's rare sometimes to find the ones where people that are just like, and I know because when I find them, I'm like, this is awesome. It's just somebody sharing these love for their animals, not really caring about it. If there's a commercial or two, who cares? They're, I get it. Make a little money, support that. That's awesome. Show off your passion. There needs to be more folks out there showing the other side of the hobby, not the exploitive side where, hey, look how many animals I can get and look how many terrible things I can, you know, I can make them act up. I can make them throw up threat postures. I can do this and that. There needs to be more folks out there just sharing that joy we get, that original when you first got your tarantula is that awe of having them. There needs to be more folks like that out there. So absolutely, not saying you shouldn't have a YouTube channel when you first start off. Again, just to be clear, I'm talking about the folks that jump and they get their first tarantulas and they're immediately talking about, quote unquote, having a successful YouTube channel. That means one thing. It means trying to market yourself and and create material that's going to get more viewers. And normally that doesn't jibe with putting your animals first. Just going to put that out there. I know somebody's going to come back and be all upset with me on this one, but I, I've shared these thoughts before. And I think the problem why, the reason I have YouTube number one is there, it takes one person to make it big doing something the wrong way. And then they get all their imitators and I, you hear it, you know, do a thing with like, who's your top favorite YouTubers. And you hear some of the ones that people come up with. And to each their own, but when they start emulating that and then use that to defend what they're doing, it just creates this cascade of bad husbandry, which is why it's so damaging, I think, because again, I've had this discussion with many people before, try finding those good videos. And when you find those good videos, they're often unassuming people that are doing some great work but nobody's seeing them because they're not doing the over-the-top stuff. They're not doing the clickbaity titles. They're not doing that. So it's, it's kind of sad. So it would be nice to see more people, you know, take the route of YouTube as just a way to share their love for it, not necessarily trying to become superstars. I mean, it, but again, it's YouTube. It's going to be people will be people. And unfortunately, people, when there is a way to make money or get popular, especially with the social media being the way it is now, popularity is just as much of a pull as the money in many instances. That's a tough pull. You get into it. I get it. I do get it. So that's why I have YouTube as number one. Uh, and, and as far as the flip sides of breeding are concerned, again, as I've mentioned, I do know some people that got in the hobby rather quickly, found themselves with a mature male and a mature female and said, the heck with it, I'm going to go with it, and had a beautiful experience breeding. They traded, either sold their stuff wholesale or traded it off and got a bunch more spiders awesome situation. Again, much different from somebody who's going, I'm going to get into this much like a farmer would get into it where these are going to be a commodity. I'm going to make lots of money. This is, hey, I have a male, a female. Let's let's be smart about this. Let's breed them, bring some more animals into the hobby 
and make things a little cheaper because you can take those. You can wholesale them. You can trade them off. I've had people go, yeah, I raised a whole sack. I sold it off. Already got a bunch of stuff in, got a store. You know, some get money, some get store credit, some trade it for things that they really want, expensive things that they didn't, you know, might not have been able to afford. That's awesome. That's not the same as going in going, hey, I've just joined the hobby. I'm going to buy as many females as I can. I'm going to buy as much of males as I can and try to start my own business up. That's a totally different ballgame. Again, we need people to do that, but we need people to do that that have the experience to back it up. They don't end up just amassing a bunch of females. I mean, I remember this one guy I was talking to, had a bunch of females. He was buying up every male he could find, and I think he ended up pairing one thing. Like one thing, like all those males went to waste where people could have probably been actually, I don't know, producing something with them. So again, everything's got its good and bad in moderation. I think that folks coming into for the final message of this one, so nobody gets it wrong. There's nothing wrong with taking a hobby you love when you keep the animals and you put them first and finding ways to make it sustain itself and find ways to make a little extra money for it. That's a lot different than what I'm talking about here, that people are coming in from the get-go, off the bat, viewing these animals as a way to make money. Not viewing these animals as animals they absolutely adore and wanting to produce more to kind of support their own hobby or get more of them in the hobby or to share their love on YouTube. We're talking about getting in it from the get-go to make money that's probably if you just distilled it down to one point that's probably the biggest sign that people are not going to be getting into this hobby for the same reason we are they are going to see you know talking going back to the last one people that you know if i lose any tarantula i am upset if i lose a five dollar tarantula i'm just as upset if i lost a 200 dollar tarantula it's not about money it's about life the folks that tend to get into this for the money part, it's seen as I just lost an expensive tarantula that I was going to make a bunch of money for. So they're upset for that. Not so much the loss of life or loss of the animal, if that makes any sense. So there's a different mindset. And I'm hoping people are able to differentiate this and not think, oh, he's just attacking anybody that wants to breed. Nope, not at all. I want people to breed. I want people. There's nothing cooler than getting into a hobby and finding out, hey, I can breed a couple times a year and sustain it and buy all the cool things I want. That's awesome. I'm specifically talking about folks that get in from the get-go to make a dollar. Those are the ones to be wary of. Those are the ones that grow and fester. And if they become popular YouTube people, they're the ones that are always going to put themselves and their money first. The animals are secondary. The animals are there to make money. And then unfortunately, people are going to watch this. They're going to think this is the norm. And then they're going to get their animals and they're going to try to do the same thing. And it just perpetuates this whole sad, silly problem. So not to say there aren't good ones out there. There's some great ones out there. One of these days, maybe I'll do a review with some of the ones that I actually still watch and enjoy. There are some really good people out there doing videos. And not to say everybody out there that's a popular YouTuber is a bad person or doing it poorly. Not at all. But I think we've all getting these behind the scenes discussions about this stuff and recognize you know, does it have a good side? Yes, these guys do inevitably pull people into the hobby that recognize eventually what's going on. I've had people go, yeah, I kind of figured out after a while why they were doing this. And then I started gravitating toward other sources of information because there's better sources out there to get information from. So it does bring people into the hobby, but it also does produce a lot more, you know, it kind of perpetuates the whole issue. So those would be my list, you know, one through three, YouTube, thrill seekers, and those folks that go in immediately wanting to breed. Three little indicators you can use when you're talking to folks to kind of weed out the ones that we probably don't want in the hobby, the ones that give us, you know, that give that cause us frustration, the ones that those of us who really care about spiders and their correct husbandry and upkeep kind of vent about behind the scenes. Those are the three that I can think of that have done this for quite some time that trigger right away, I recognize, they're not folks I'm going to want to share a lot of information with. and Sadly, not folks that I can easily dissuade because they've got their hearts set on it. They're going to make money. They're going to freak out their friends. They're going to you know, get a lot of views, whatever it may be. That's a powerful, powerful allure. And sometimes just one guy explaining that, hey, maybe there's a better way to do this isn't enough to dissuade that. So that will do it for this one. As always, you can find me at tomsbigspiders.com. You can find me on YouTube, the platform that I just spent a, a lot of time talking negatively about. No, seriously, there are some good folks out there. We all know who they are. But uh, And that will do it for this one. As always, guys, stay safe, and we'll catch you all next time.